My focus has really been working with our principal team around deliberate practice and better understanding how to build their own capacity so that no matter the complex task that comes forward to them day to day, they are equipped to solve or develop a team to solve that complex problem. Hello and welcome to Field Trip, the podcast where we share stories of excellence and innovation from other school and district leaders. As administrators, we don't see each other engage in post-observation conversations with teachers. So we assume that we're probably all doing it in the same way. And I was told that I'm not necessarily doing it the same way as others and wanted others to be able to experience that. From HR to curriculum and instruction, from the central office to the principal's office, we look at how education leaders around the country are providing a better environment for teachers and staff and a better education for students. From Frontline Education, you're listening to Field Trip. My guests today are Christopher Reuter, Director of Teaching and Learning at Franklin Public Schools in Wisconsin, and Aaron King, a principal in the same district. Chris and Aaron, it's good to have you here. It's great to be here, Ryan. Good morning. A bit of background. Franklin Public Schools is a Southside suburb of Milwaukee. It's high-performing, they exceed expectations on state accountability metrics, and there are seven schools, five elementary schools, one middle school where Aaron is the principal, and one high school that has about 1,600 students. We're not a huge district, but we're not a small district in comparison to the surrounding southeastern Wisconsin school districts. As the director of teaching and learning, uh, what is your job, Chris? What is most important on your plate when you walk into work every day? Well, it's I, at the end of the day, it's teaching and learning, right? It's right in the title. It's about my job is to help build the capacity of the people in our organization so that every day we are delivering quality instruction to meet the needs of all students that walk through all seven of those buildings for not only the present tense that we're in with them, but the future so that they're college and career ready and they're successful beyond Franklin High School after 12th grade. Franklin Public Schools has been on a journey toward higher educator effectiveness for a number of years now. In 2011, Wisconsin began making significant changes to its evaluation process across the state for both teachers and principals, using multiple measures looking at areas of professional practice and student outcomes. Uh, Franklin was one of the first districts at the table to work through some of those discussions. Our now superintendent, who at the time was our director of HR, Dr. Judy Miller, she worked at the state level on the evaluation framework through some committee work and brought that work back to Franklin Public Schools. At the time, I believe I was a first-year assistant principal at the middle school, and we heard this term SLO, and we didn't really know what that meant. The district had been using the Danielson framework for teaching for 10 to 15 years already. And so while the language and understanding of Charlotte Danielson's work wasn't new, the way they went about using it was. They began trying out the new system, and Chris worked with a handful of teachers as part of Franklin's pilot program. They then shared that data back to Wisconsin's Department of Public Instruction. So that's kind of where we began, and from there it's morphed to a more, I think, usable coaching framework as well as, at the end of the day, an accountability measure around student data and achievement and teacher practice. We've had a lot of bumps along the way, and it's not perfect yet, but 
I feel that as an organization, we're growing every year with our understanding um, and really trying to grow beyond compliance and build towards commitment. Very early on, and Aaron can probably attest to this too, as we worked together at the middle school um, for a while, and it was very much checklist, let's get this done. Um, I have my goal, I have my number of observations, I had my meetings with my administrator, check, 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 done, now it's a new year. And we really have worked over the last couple of years and will continue to work to better understand how we can utilize the framework as well as student learning outcomes as growth and coaching and development of our practice, knowing that um, we can be better every day. I know that a large part of your work, Chris, focuses on developing principles. How do you do that? Um, yeah, as I said, my job is obviously to develop and expand the capacity of teaching and learning across the district. And I think the principalship, at least in the state of Wisconsin right now, is the hardest job in public education. Hmm. They're pulled in every direction. You just open up any newspaper, or go to any website that has news or social media, and you see the many things that happen daily in our schools. And it's the principal who's got to carry that load as well as connect the ever moving parts together to make sure that um, everyone's moving forward. So my job in developing principles is through exposure to new learning and understanding, but then also the application of how they're going to take that learning and come up against obstacles and barriers and overcome them. So it's really easy to say, let's go to a conference on PBIS or let's go to a conference on personalized learning. Those are just things or strategies to get to teaching and learning. Um, my focus has really been working with our principal team around deliberate practice and better understanding how to build their own capacity so that no matter the complex task that comes forward to them day to day, whether it's a curriculum issue, whether it's a student issue, they are equipped to solve or develop a team to solve that complex problem um, versus saying, being reactive and saying, well, well, we'll utilize, we'll go to a conference and learn something and then hope it works in our buildings, but really being analytical and strategic thinkers so that they can bring coherence to their building daily. So it is focused on children and teaching and learning. And we're about to speak with Aaron, who, as you said, is one of your principals there at Franklin. Aaron, how long have you been in your role as a principal? This is my second year as the building principal, and I was the associate principal for the three years prior to that in the same building here at Forest Park. And what is your building like? So our building is currently seventh and eighth grade students only. We have 721 students, so we have about 360 at each grade level. We are a house system, meaning that we have four core teachers that rally around about 120 students in order to... Um, make it more of a community within this lecture building. Our students have math and literacy, science and social studies, and then quite a lot of opportunities within the ex exploratories around tech ed, family consumer science, business, um, along with PE and musics. And our, our students come every day and they are ready to go. And our teaching staff is up to that task on a daily basis. As you heard, I was just asking Chris about what it looks like to develop principles. What does that look like from your end as you have grown in your own role? What would you say have been the most helpful things for you that have helped you reach your goals? I would say the most helpful has been, um, well, there's two things that come to mind. The first is our administrative team. We come together regularly 
And last year specifically, we focused a lot on our own learning as principals and administrators and what that looks like and had a lot of professional conversations and engaged in book studies um, in order to deepen our own understanding and have those conversations with each other to make sure we're working within a system and growing within a system. And the second part is really the observation process for myself. Um, last year was, I think, more formalized, where the director team all came and conducted observations of me leading within this building, having conversations with teachers. And then the most powerful growth moments were in those post-observation conversations with my directors, where they really posed questions and challenged my thinking um, my mindset, the way I go about the job, and helped me to reflect throughout that process. And of course, you now work with teachers to help them examine their own practice. And I know that you've been working to model a different way of approaching supervision and, and teacher evaluations. What have you been doing on that front? Well, it started last year where I, my PPG was really around learning focused conversations with individuals, which is why I asked the director team to come and observe me during post observation conversations with teachers. Um, I really had a big aha moment during my own observation cycle that I wasn't providing timely feedback because I was trying to have everything look perfect, have it all done, tied up in a bow with my feedback entered into it. And it was I was waiting too long to have those conversations with teachers and focus too much on maybe that one observation period versus instructional practice overall. How do evaluations look different at Franklin today than what people might have been used to a decade or two ago? It is more evidence-based um, where we are really looking at what is happening with students. I think we are focused far more on what students are doing versus what the teacher is doing. And I think a decade ago, all of the evidence in the conversation would have really revolved around the teacher and the moves that they're making as the teacher and the instruction that they are saying versus how and what the impact is on students. So we're shifting the focus of the the conversation to the impact that we're making because that's the ultimate goal. Let's talk about what the observation process looks like and how these conversations go. What do you do before, during, and then after an observation? We meet with the, each teacher before the observation happens. We, meaning my assistant principal and I, we both follow the same process that I'll meet with a teacher prior to the observation and I ask them, so tell me what I'm gonna see third hour. And they walk me through what I might see if they don't focus in on what the students will be doing, cause that is a shift. They talk a lot about what they will be doing. I ask them explicitly, what will I see and hear kids doing? And then if they also don't explicitly bring up our building focus, which we have two around literacy and engagement, then I ask them, how will I see our building priorities come to life within the classroom? And it's a pretty quick meeting. It's about 10 to 15 minutes that we don't wanna take up more time than we need to, because it's really, I, I, I expect them to be responsive within the lesson. So I don't expect them to be able to tell me every nuance of their class period. After the pre-observation conversation, Erin conducts the observation itself. And she does record evidence using frontline professional growth the system that Franklin Public Schools uses to manage their evaluation process. But that has even evolved to trying to take a step back and look at the whole structure of the class period, um, what the majority of students are doing, what the feel of it is happening within the classroom versus 
Johnny stopped and tied his shoe. Like that makes no impact. It does not matter. So looking at those high leverage pieces of evidence within the class period. And then Erin asks the teacher to meet with her right away the next day, even if she hasn't yet cleaned up her evidence statements or entered feedback into the system. And even if the teacher hasn't had a chance to log their own reflection. And I'm okay with that because the power is in the conversation. And so I just have out the one sheet of paper where I wrote notes down about their pre-observation. And then we have a post-observation conversation. And we did some learning around learning-focused conversation, um, one of Charlotte Danielson's books, and really open-ended questions and start with, so thinking back to third hour yesterday, what comes to mind? And then I do very little talking and do a lot of listening. You mentioned that you meet with them right away the very next day. What's important, Erin, about that about that quick timeline? Acknowledging that our teachers have a really hard job where they're teaching a lot of lessons in a day. And then if we wait three, four, even a week later, they've taught a lot of lessons and being able to reflect on their instructional moves and their responsiveness to certain students or situations in the classroom, the reflection is not nearly as able to go into the depth of the work nearly as well. So that timeliness is incredibly important, not only for the true reflection, but also really the whole genuine feeling around this process, the longer you wait, the more nerves do get the best of teachers. And they start to worry about it and wonder what I'm going to think of them. And they start to go personal with it and get worried about it. So that quick time frame helps not only the climate and culture in the building, but also the true understanding of that, the depth of the conversation. I know that schools everywhere are grappling with how to approach observations and improve practice. What has your change process looked like as you've dealt with this issue? Where did you start and and where are you now? I started last year as the building principal for the first year moving from AP, trying to best understand how I can have an impact on this building. And I discovered that it is through those conversations. So I focused in on learning focused conversations with individuals last year, really dug into some literature around that, engaged in conversation with my own colleagues and the director team, and then was really transparent with teachers that this was my growth area. And that's why I am working on it. I'm asking directors to join us in these post-observation conversations to provide me feedback. And that transparency with teachers, I think also helped the climate and culture in the sense that they saw me being vulnerable and seeking feedback from others as well in this growth process. So taking it from there this year, understanding that I really want to widen my sphere of influence, I'm focused on teams and impacting teams and moving them forward as that is really our biggest bang for our buck as we don't work in silos anymore, that we are working together as a team in order to impact as many students as possible. So I've been seeking feedback this year around how I am Engaging in learning-focused conversations with teams, whether that's a PLC, a grade-level team, or a house team where they're focused in on students and individuals around social-emotional needs. Um, I've been soliciting some feedback from the directors there and engaging in learning around emotional intelligence and how I can improve myself in order to impact teams. It sounds like this is a real two-way dialogue, and I know that you mentioned that teachers give you feedback on the observation process, but how do you get them to buy into what you're doing in the first place? 
I, I do. I ask them for feedback and I'm very honest. They, I put my cards on the table and my staff, I, I believe, has seen that now that I've been in this building for four and a half years, that they really who I am is who I am every day. And they see that honesty and that transparency and vulnerability. And they've seen it at a different level with engaging and getting pretty honest feedback from the director team at my post-observation conversations or during the team meetings where there are directors there and they are there for me and not for others. And even and just seeing that and experiencing it, they see that I am learning and growing as well, which has been part of the feedback that teachers have given me that they really appreciate that they see that I'm learning and that I'm growing and that I'm dedicated to that process, which is very similar to the process that they're going through. How do you set the tone for a productive conversation as you observe teachers and then have these conversations? How do you do it in such a way that they then receive and act upon that feedback? And also, how do you make sure that the conversation is two-way and not just top-down? By listening. I pose open-ended questions and then I listen. And really, it's it's been hard for me to have extra long wait time, but if I really have the wait time, they will fill the silence and they will continue to talk. And the power in that listening and, and them talking is I'm able to have insights into their their thoughts and how they are approaching their instruction and how they're approaching students and gaining information around their mindsets in order to really find high leverage entry points to be able to continue to move them forward. I know that lately you've been spreading the knowledge that you've been able to gain and actually modeling some of these observations in front of other administrators. Talk to me more about that. How did that begin? I think it began by my director team coming to to me, probably Chris, coming and saying, hey, we've seen you engage in this practice with teachers because as administrators, we don't see each other engage in post-observation conversations with teachers. So we assume we're that we're probably all doing it in the same way. And I was told that I'm not necessarily doing it the same way as others and wanted others to be able to experience that. So Chris approached me and to see if I would be willing to model or have a fishbowl where I model a post-observation conversation in front of the other administrators. Um, and now my phone's ringing. <laughs> <laughs> no, take your time. That's fine. We often think that we might do things similar, even though the way that we go about the work might be different. And I think that was the case with our learning-focused conversations and the way that we, Jake and I, here at Forest Park, were engaging in those conversations. So I approached a teacher that I have complete faith and trust in that is a real growth mindseted professional and asked her if she would be willing to engage in this fishbowl and put herself out there, be vulnerable along with me and model a post-observation conversation. And she was willing to do that. So we engaged in the pre-observation conversation on a Tuesday, or I think it was a Monday. Then I observed her on Tuesday and on Wednesday, she went with me up to the high school where our administrative meeting was. And we engaged in the post-observation conversation in front of all of the other principals and directors and superintendent within the district. Was that at all nerve wracking either for you or for the teacher? Oh, yeah, for both of us. <laughs> um, we were definitely nervous. I was probably less nervous, but you wouldn't know it from the teacher's perspective. She held it together really well. She is a um, always calm and such a learner and did a very nice job being able to articulate her thoughts around her instruction and what she can continue to learn and improve. 
How is this room set up? Is there anything special about the way that this actually looks when you're there in the room having this this conversation in front of the other administrators? We were in the middle of the room with tables around us in, in a U shape. But I think that the most important thing was I had a document camera that was displaying my notes from the pre-observation conversation and then the notes that I took along the way during the post-observation conversation which we then referenced during our debrief when we were done with our conversation as the other principals were asking, what were the notes you were writing and how did you circle to this feedback? And did you know where you were, what you wanted her to learn and where it was going to end? We were able to reference those notes throughout that debrief. Have you done more of these? Uh, What does that look like now? We have not done more of those at this time. I, I do anticipate that we would continue to do this type of learning because it was, in, I feel that it was incredibly valuable. We had some positive feedback from the other principals and directors. Can you tell me a little bit about that feedback? What what sort of things did you hear from people who were watching you? Um, Chris might have more to insight into that, but they were grateful to hear how the conversation flowed to start with some compliments around the teacher and what I saw specifically within the classroom in order to set the stage of calm and comfortable and that this wasn't a gotcha. And then really the open-ended questions and talking through which sentence stems I might utilize or how I might go about the process and then how to interweave our building focus with making it authentic and not just planting it in there because we need to talk about it. And then it becomes very compliance-based. Chris, do you have any insight? Yeah, I was wondering when you're going to let me talk. Um, So (laughs) I think that Aaron, as you heard, Ryan Aaron's one, you can tell from the themes that are coming out, she's one of our best at making connections. And that was evident in the observations that she talks about with directors, as well as the work she did with one of her teachers in front of the entire um, district leadership team. She's she's really good at being very clear on how that observation relates back to the own professional growth of the teacher around their professional practice goal and how it relates back to the teacher's SLO as well as the building SLO and then makes those connections for the teacher but also asks the questions that puts it back on the teacher to make the connections themselves. and I think that's really the focus that we're trying to move forward with in Franklin around learning focused conversations rather than it being an administrator or supervisor coming in and rescuing and saying this is what you should do this is what you need to do it's guiding that conversation so that the teacher is able to say, man, if I would have done a small group at this time, I would have had more formative data to guide my future instruction. I think something I need is some coaching around that, or I need further feedback from you as my administrator. So we really are trying to shift that focus from, just like in the classroom, we want kids to be their own problem solvers and utilize their resources and support as needed with scaffolds. We want to do the same with teachers. So we're not just coming in and saving the day or sharing advice after the fact when the lesson's already done. Hmm. That's great. Apart from the actual observation that happens in these fishbowls, what conversations do you have with the people who are there to watch either before or, or after the observation itself or before or after the conversation itself? Um, I can share from a system standpoint, since um, Aaron engaged in this work and modeled this in front of our admin team, I've observed three, four principals since then in the same venue. Hmm. So it's caught on that, hey, I 
look at the work that Erin's done over the last year and how that's developed her and the feedback she's received. Um, myself and I know two other directors have all observed at least two to three principals in the same venue and providing feedback, which we as a director team meet every Monday. And one of our standing agenda items is to calibrate around our observation of principals and share what we saw and talking about the post-observation conversation, where that went, we're trying to model and do um, what Erin does with her teachers with our principals as well, whether it be one-on-one -on -one or in smaller groups. And Chris told me that other administrators hadn't done fishbowl observations with the whole group like this, but he will work with principals individually as they have these post-observation conversations. So I might go over to one of our elementary schools, observe an elementary principal having a learning-focused conversation with their teacher post-observation. So it's not the whole group, but the more one-on-one, -on -one, kind of like the work that Aaron did last year leading up to where she's at now. Are you using this as a way to model observations and train other administrators as well? Um, we're trying. We're trying. Uh, we're trying to show that, again, it's it's about the con ongoing conversation and not the event. Here's a, a fairly broad question for both of you, Chris and Aaron, and you can choose how you'd like to answer it. What would you say are the most important things you've learned, whether it's in how administrators perform observations uh, and have these professional conversations with teachers or just in general, as you've been on this journey toward higher educator effectiveness, are there particular things that have really come up and made you say, ah, that is that was a missing piece that we've been able to put into place as a result of what we've learned over the past few years? I think um, from a systems approach to, and this is this happens with anything because it's safe and easy at the end of the day, we got too focused on structure to start um, when we engaged in this journey of educator effectiveness. It was more about the forms and timelines and dates mm. than it was about the practice, the strategies, the belief. So that would be something that it's hard. That's the hard work that there's not a clear linear path. The structural path is very easy to accomplish and feel a sense of gratitude and accomplishment. However, that has the lowest impact. It's those structures, standards, and strategies that have the greatest impact. I'm sorry, the strategies, self, and standards. That's great. Aaron. Any, any thoughts from you? I think my biggest takeaway is that people do want to learn and they want to grow, that they signed up to be an educator because they believe in the best of kids and they want to get better. And when our system, like Chris was saying, gets too bogged down in compliance and forms in any sort of online documentation program that we use, no matter what the platform is, and if that's where we focus, that's where teachers focus. And if we model learning and growing and open conversations that doesn't have some big brother ending point to it that they think is coming, people want to grow and teachers are doing this work for the right reasons that we just need to model that and continue the growth efforts. The question that comes to my mind immediately after hearing this is how do you, do both of you, as you supervise people, teachers and principals, how do you maintain this level of excitement for learning and and wanting to have these conversations that are all about education? And how do you balance that with being someone's boss or someone's supervisor? I'll let Erin go first since I'm her supervisor because <laughs> I'd like, like to hear the answer to that one. Um, this feels like a gotcha. <laughs> I don't, no, I, I, the question is leading towards relationships yep. and trust. And 
understanding and reminding each other that we choose to do this work. Nobody is forcing anybody to come to this building every day. You choose, I choose to come and work with middle school students, and we want the best for them. And our world continues to change and continues to evolve. We are not unique in that. In education, you look at any other um, business, or platform out there, it's going to continue to change. And we are great at change and reminding people of that, that that's why we're here and that we choose to come and building relationships with people. So when you have open, honest conversations, you're able to do that and not end up leaving here worried about your job or thinking somebody is going to be watching you and being really nervous and upset about that, that it really is relationships. And those take a long time to form if they're going to be really good relationships and not based on anything but trust. I would echo everything. Uh, The foundation of a good education system is relationships. We all got into education for public service because we had a relationship at a school an experience during our school time that changed us or or put us on a course of action that was positive and we wanted to give back um, and we choose to come and do this job every day to work with kids they're our product they're our customer they're everything so you have to keep going coming back to why we come to work and it's about kids and it's about the relationships we build with them every day whether they're good or bad and how do we get better at building those relationships because ultimately if they don't walk through the doors we don't have a job so we have a moral imperative to continue to strive to be better every day for them chris reuter and aaron king are on the line with us from franklin public schools in wisconsin chris and aaron thank you both again for your time today you're welcome ryan thank you you're welcome Field Trip is a podcast from Frontline Education. Frontline's industry-leading software is designed exclusively for the K-12 market, and that includes Frontline Professional Growth, a holistic solution to help educators manage the entire educator growth cycle in one system, including employee evaluations and professional learning, and provide tools for educators to collaborate online. For more information, visit frontlineeducation.com slash fieldtrippodcast. For Frontline Education, I'm Ryan Estes. Thanks for listening and have a great day.